Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pivoted Success Podcast, featuring Sean Cochran from TCC Canada and myself, Jared Goldsmith from ESAC's Virtual Events. At this time, we're very pleased to be welcoming Eric Fortier from the Innovation of Defense Excellence and Security of the Department of National Defense, the Ideas Program. Eric, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. So, Eric, uh, let's talk a little bit about who you are. What is the Ideas Program? All about. Okay, so as I said, my name is Eric Fournier. I'm the DG for Innovation in National Defense, and as such, the IDS program is is under my command in a way. Uh, the IDS program is an access to innovation program. So um, in, in 2017, National Defense uh, came up with a new defense policy, uh, and they had included a new program to reach out to innovators in Canada. So to take the challenges in national defense and submit them to innovators. So they put aside $1.6 billion, so would it be a um, fairly large amount of money uh, for 20 years, so approximately 80 to $85 million per year for us to take our challenges in national defense and pose them for uh, innovators to work on. So we use our webpage uh, to do this. It's all, it's all web-based uh, and uh, we, uh, we, we identify challenges inside national defense and we submit them to innovators to work, to work with us to solve them. Well, you know, Eric, this sounds like a fantastic initiative because I would think that when one thinks of the Department of National Defense or perhaps any government department for that matter, they think of huge multinational companies, you know, billion dollar contracts. They might not think of all of the different needs that you have um, and the opportunities that exist within Canada. Yeah, the, uh, the NES program, um, and we work hard to make it that way, is open to all innovators in Canada. So uh, the small medium enterprises, the big companies, I mean, they, they also have great innovations as well. Academia, non-for-profit, uh, provincial, territorial, municipal entities, individual. The only people who cannot participate are guys like me, the, the, um, the, the federal civil servant. Everybody else can. Wow, that's so interesting, Eric. How long has this program been running for? So um, uh, it was announced in the defense policy in 2017. Uh, so September 2017. It took us a few months to finalize the design. And we launched our first call proposal in uh, April 2018. The way we work is work with challenges. So we develop challenges internal to national defense, and we come out on our webpage and we post the challenges saying, hey, innovators across Canada, uh, if you can solve this, well, why don't you make a proposal to help us solve it? And we have developed several tools for that. So Eric, even if I'm a solopreneur, one business, uh, I'm sole proprietorship, and I have the perfect solution for one of your suggestions, I can still apply. Yeah, absolutely. That's very forward thinking. It's such a pleasure to see. Uh, Eric, how were you? Uh, we'll talk about your the organization in a moment. But how were you personally, Eric Fournier, how were you affected by COVID? <laughs> uh, like everybody else, as a civil servant, I was sent home. I mean, on March the 13th in 2020, everybody was sent home. Hmm. Um, so, uh, left the office, uh, came home and, and started working from home on my laptop uh, from the government. Uh, many of my staff that didn't have laptop could not work. So at the beginning, it was a bit um, um, uh, a small team to manage this large program. Um, but after a few weeks, uh, we got information like uh, um, equipment to those people and, and the team grew. And now uh, all of the team is working from home uh, with good reception and, and, and networks and everything else. So that piece was the work and for the home life, well, 
uh, my spouse is a teacher, so she was teaching from home. And, and uh, so uh, network was uh, very useful at home for that period. And so we've been following the COVID. Got my first shot uh, not long ago. Uh, and and uh, slowly the country is hopefully coming out of it. So we've been staying home, uh, doing lots of exercise, going out every day um, and, and uh, trying to respect all the measures that, uh, that exist out there from public health agencies. Right, Eric, um, prior to the COVID uh, pandemic, was your department actually involved with any remote work prior to that time? Um, I have to say no. Um, Those are big change for you. Oh yeah, uh, I'm a person that um, because of interactions, I'm, in the, I'm usually in the office from seven till six. So uh, yeah, lots of meetings and everything else. That was a big change, but the tools that we have today uh, are making um, that almost possible. Uh, it's not quite the same thing that not being there to talk to people, to stop around an office and have a few chats around uh, like the, the coffee room chat type thing. Um, but um, we find ways to to, uh, to work around that. What about the, um, how are you dealing with some of the mental health issues from your staff? Because we hear it all the time, it's it, we, it, from every angle, it affects every asset of society. How, how is the uh, the D&D department working on that? Well, inside D&D, there are, there are many, many tools that do exist uh, that have been put in place to support staff. Um, people that, I mean, you can, you can call to get support and things like this. Internally, though, to my team, um, I've asked my managers to uh, have regular meeting with staff, have uh, virtual coffee breaks. Um, so we, we have a monthly uh, meeting where we talk a little bit about, about work. Uh, it's an hour meeting, but 15 minutes about work. But the 45 is to talk about people's life. Uh, somebody got a dog. Let's so have pictures of the dog. And, and we talk about all kinds of things like this. Uh, where, um, in, in a way, it's there to support people. Um, we also had uh, some of the team leads uh, go for walks last summer when it was possible to, to go outside. And um, so they had walk uh, socially distanced, but they could see their colleagues. Uh, some teams had picnics at sitting on, on blankets uh, two meters apart from each other. Um, and, and all kinds of tools this way that, that we can uh, try to uh, make sure that, as you mentioned, the mental health uh, um, is not affecting our people. We know we know that we had we've had um, staff that have found it hard having kids at home uh, as we're trying to work and, and because uh, with uh, with homeschooling, uh, there's been some all kinds of issues. So trying to support each other really. I love some of the creative ideas for get-togethers or anything you can sort of pull together once it's safe and are sort of ever-changing times. One day we're okay, the next day you never know. But it's nice to see sort of that connection sort of reaching beyond because I think everybody realizes as convenient and amazing as the Zooms and the other digital platforms are, it's not the same as actually being together, right? So last summer we had, uh, there's a period last summer from May, maybe June until September uh, where uh, there were several um, uh, walking meetings where people would go out um, and, and meet for an hour somewhere, keep the distance, uh, in some cases towards September, keep the mask, but, but we're able to walk together and, and chat about things. So some of that chat was personal, I'm sure, uh, but some was professional as well. So any, any kind of ways to, um, uh, to, to, to keep working forward. So, we also had internal uh, uh, events of some of some of the staff 
created events. So uh, in um, in from January and February there was a um, a challenge. Uh, uh, you had to go out every every day for 20 minutes, and then we had a table where we recorded who was doing what, asking people to take pictures as they were doing activities outside. Um, and then not long ago, there was another activity to uh, go out and identify um, things, uh, a, a yellow fire hydrant, a green car, and, and to share the pictures. And so it oh, it's a little scavenger hunt. <laughs> a scavenger hunt. That sounds fun. So, Eric, just going back to sort of your evolution as an entity from the start of COVID on, when you started in sort of 2018 to where you are today, how has your sort of internal infrastructure in terms of technology changed? And do you think you were headed in that sort of direction or did this really give you that kick that everybody else has sort of been forced into the digital world, whether you like it or not? Uh, in a way, we were lucky um, as we were hiring new people. So Ideas is a brand new team. So in 2018, when we launched the program, uh, it, it's a new entity. So uh, we hired um, about 40 people um, since 2018 to manage the program. Um, and um, as we were hiring them, a lot of them, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember why we started doing that, but it was a good thing. We got a laptop for people. Uh, so when the pandemic hit in March, several of our staff had laptops, which was a good thing. Um, but after that, we kept making sure that we, we got more, making sure that everybody was covered with that. But uh, we started, instead of starting at nobody with a laptop to be able to work from home, we had several that had laptops, but it was a question of connectivity at the beginning. Um, and then we didn't have enough, enough lines for everybody, but quickly more lines were, were, were added and people were able to, to join in. So. We, we were lucky in a way of decisions that were made, which I don't still understand why we, we did it that way when we were hiring people to, to provide laptops to them. Um, but um, it, it helped, absolutely. Is, is that on par, if you're familiar with some of your colleagues in other government departments, about how you guys have adapted? Like, do you share best practices amongst yourselves? Because I'm thinking that a, what seems like a simple suggestion by going on, on walks but as a, a business meeting, <laughs> that has so many benefits. I, I, it's such a, a simple thing, yet it, it's yeah. very, very powerful. It has been shared inside of our um, uh, larger entity. So um, we're all ideas as part of uh, uh, defense, but it's part of a smaller entity called Defense Research and Development Canada. So Defense Research, DRDC, uh, is an entity of about uh, 1,400 people. Uh, and we share all those practices internally too. So it's the scientific organization of national defense. So we share that knowledge internal to that. Hmm. And uh, let's talk about um, yourself personally. I, again, outside of the DND world, uh, how are you helping uh, to help to support, let's say, your family or your colleagues or, or your friends outside of work? Like, are, are um, you ordering out more often? Are you. Uh, We've had, um, so my spouse and I um, uh, had parents in, in, um, in long-term care facilities. So uh, that was part of uh, our um, uh, support to, the, to, 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 the, to, to Canada in a way. Uh, some of them have passed away during the, the crisis. So um, yeah, we won't talk about that. Um, but um, yeah, so we, it's mostly support to the family, uh, internal to to, uh, to our old, to, to our small small groups here, because we, we still have people in uh, in long term care facilities, uh, and and support them now. Right, right. 
And what are you looking forward to the most? Let's, let's put your future hat on, Eric. Let's say six months from now and a year from now, or even longer. Like, Do you, do you care to uh, forecast? <laughs> like how, how life will be for you, for the department? Um, for us, um, family and, and work as well, um, ideas. So I used to travel a lot for ideas uh, because we were um, doing a lot of um, uh, publicity uh, uh, engagement for the program. All that came to a halt uh, in March 2020. Um, but we uh, we have done a lot of those events. Today today is an example of that as well, uh, engaging to uh, promote the program. Um, but when we can travel again, we will start doing that for sure. And we, family-wise, uh, love travel as well. So we will start doing that. I mean, we've lived in, in Europe in the past and lived in the U.S. So uh, traveling is, we have friends that many places, so uh, it's something that we put on hold and we'll hold on until it's, uh, it's safe to do it again and then, and then we'll start doing it again. So traveling is, is something that we're looking forward to. Doing. From the teachings that we've learned throughout the pandemic when it comes to sort of digital transformation and the ability to sort of work from anywhere, do you feel that that's going to translate into sort of the office of tomorrow for your department and sort of the government as a whole? Yeah, I think uh, internal to d and I think there'll be a, a, a push towards that. That I cannot guarantee, but inside of my team, um, we did a survey uh, in September or August of last year thinking, so when we go back, how do we want to go back? Trying to, to plan ahead. Um, and um, most, if not all of my staff uh, mentioned that they wanted to do about some kind of an hybrid system. So. Uh, being at work once in a while, but also having the opportunity to be at home. Uh, so when we go back, we will probably work in an hybrid environment where um, I will make sure that the teams uh, meet regularly on site. There's one piece that uh, Zoom and, and um, all of those tools, don't uh, they don't help with. Team cohesion. Not meeting with your colleagues. Not seeing the new guy that just was hired. Uh, so... so all of that um, is, is harder uh, on, on electronic uh, um, uh, mediums like this. So um, we'll ask for the teams to at least meet once a week. Maybe uh, each team will be uh, will be in the office one day a week. So they have their internal meetings, uh, print a few things and get reorganized, uh, set up a computer for something. Uh, but I'd like to have all the teams uh, at work at least one day a week. If, one day, if they want to come in two days a week, that's fine. And then they can spend the other days uh, at home. Um, I've got no issues with that, but I like it to people to be there once in a while. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we're such social beings as people too. And I think this pandemic's brought that out more than anything is that we're just lacking in that connectivity that we're so used to. It's just so innate because it's yeah. something you don't even think about, but when it's gone, you're like, wow, I really do miss just the silly things, even the chat over the water cooler or any of that sort of stuff. So. It's nice to see that sort of still sort of front of mind. And I think, well, my hope anyway, is for employees everywhere that they get a bit more flexibility with their life and yeah. how they work. But uh, I absolutely appreciate the need to have that cohesion because to do it remotely is so difficult to be able to connect with everyone. And the idea, I've talked to so many different people that are like, well, I've been on this team for 14 months and I've never met anyone. I mean, I've seen their face on Zoom, but. I don't even know what they look like sort of from the waist down or anything. I've never had the chance to shake their hand or any of these things that we're 
just so natural up until now, right? One of the reasons we had uh, one of those picnic last summer towards the um, beginning of September, end of August, was to introduce a few new people to the group. So even if they could not be in this, like, uh, uh, shake hands or be close to each other, uh, at least they were able to see each other. So they, they, we were on the grass and, and chatting and, and sharing a picnic together. Well, it's a great excuse for everybody to wear pants again, too. So, I mean, it's one of those things, right? I mean, such a far-reaching global phenomenon that is changing how people work and interact. Like, I don't think anything, uh, I mean, I'm sure all of us have this discussion quite often, but to pinpoint one part in time where everything changes and not only how we interact, but how businesses interact and, you know, working with your teams. And I mean, we have to adapt and, and seeing that organizations or departments in your case who take the initiative and say, okay, this is what we're doing. Here's how we have to adapt versus those who are waiting for government handouts and not really doing much with their lives. I mean, that's one of the purposes of this podcast is to hear from uh, leaders like yourself on how you're adapting. So thank you. That's fantastic. Um, well, Eric, one question I just wanted to sort of roll back to is, um, the program that you've rolled out in 2018, you've obviously seen interest from uh, small to large enterprise. Did you see a drop uh, in interest in your program with the pandemic when it hit? Okay, so what happened? So um, pandemic hit in March 2013. Uh, we're at a point to issue. So the, the way ideas works is that we have called for proposals. We receive uh, proposals in, we evaluate them. Uh, select uh, mini and then we, we, we uh, issue contracts and start working with people. Uh, in March 20, 2020, uh, I mean just a year and a bit ago, uh, when the pandemic started, we were right in the middle of issuing uh, a series of contracts at that point. So because the team was um, that was uh, able to work was a lot smaller, what we did is that we concentrated on all of the contracts that we had already uh, signed. So. We had hundreds of innovators uh, already working with us, so we said, "Okay, those guys, that the, the, those companies, entities, uh, academia, and they need to have their money coming. If they're doing some work, if they're able to continue working, you need to have funding coming to them." So we made sure that the first thing we wanted to do is make sure that we paid the people who were working with us. That meant that um, we delayed uh, uh, issuing a bunch of contracts for a while but we kept uh, working with the ones that were already issued. At that point also, what we decided to do, looking at other um, government departments, is to work on COVID. So for a little bit, we slowed down our defense work, our new defense work. So we had, oh, we had, we had all of those contracts working in the background, people progressing on, on some of the challenges we had launched in the past. And then we fo focused on COVID-19. On COVID so working with uh, the Health Agency of Canada, uh, Health Canada, the National Research Council, we took our tools that we have in ideas and applied them to the That's great. And we like to discuss pivoting uh, when we're discussing things with small business and what they've done to sort of shift. But I mean, that's the perfect example of that, being able to sort of reallocate both your personnel resources and financial resources to something so uh, needed at this time. So what we uh, what we did to start with, so um, April, uh, as we were kind of 
uh, half of the half of the group was online. We started working closely with the National Research Council. So what they did is that they invited innovators from Canada to come in uh, and present their potential solutions to COVID-19. Anything they thought could work and, and help the country. Uh, so we had um, hundreds of proposals. Uh, and um, so some, some were, were removed, but we also, out of that, saw more than 300 presentations from innovators across Canada. Ideas as tools to fund people um, very quickly. So in that specific case, that's what, what's all we started doing. Uh, there was a requirement at that time, you can remember the decontamination of N95 masks when the crisis started. Masks were, were I mean, uh, we couldn't find masks anywhere. So uh, we uh, funded a company to develop a company that, that had a, a good idea to, to build their solution. We funded companies for uh, respirators design um, and, and others like that. As time went on and as we learned from uh, the innovators, uh, because so many were presenting to us, we identified some, some, um, some holes in what was coming to us. And we developed four challenges uh, that we launched for COVID. So we put out four challenges on our webpage saying, hey, if you can work on this, submit your proposals to us. Well, people were listening because for those four challenges, we got more than 450 proposals. So um, um, lots of people were, were, were bringing all kinds of solutions. And out of those 450, we funded 50, right, and right then and there. Um, so more than more than 50, almost 15 per challenge because they were all interesting solutions. So we funded those right away, and people are working on on some of those solutions still right now. Um, so um, we have that group going. A little bit after that, uh, what became important was a fast test, like that all those tools to be able to do fast tests. Well, again, working with NRC, we identified two companies uh, that were working on fast tests that uh, needed some funding, so we funded them also. Um, and, uh, so one of them delivered fast tests in March. Uh, they're ready to go. One is almost done on a, just a, it's a saliva, saliva test for, for COVID. Um, so we're, we've, been, we've been involved all along doing things like this. It's so great to see sort of like the solutions coming from some of the innovators too. And not only are you looking for a solution that everyone can benefit from, but you're helping sort of fuse the money into these small businesses as well that might otherwise be struggling or unable to provide something that might really impact us if it's uh, helpful, right? Yeah, I, I, I never wanted to call ideas uh, um, a financial support tool, but in a way we're, we're an economic stimulus tool because um, although it's, it's all being done for, for good reasons, I mean, the 50 projects that we have working on COVID right now are doing real work. They're not, they're doing real research and identifying real solutions, but at the same time, they're being paid by us. <clears throat> so that's $10 million that's going into the economy, into 50 small firms. There's some big ones as well, but two to 50 firms and maintaining those jobs. Yeah, that, that's a, just an added benefit, help, helping to promote the ecosystem uh, with the big picture, keeping in mind that they're actually solving we're working to resolve some serious um, issues yep. that, you, that you're promoting. Yeah, great questions, uh, Sean. Keep it up. This is this is fantastic. <laughs> I wish we could have you for a few more hours, Eric. What, what about some words of wisdom for others? Let's let's say um, the entrepreneur-minded individual and the government employee individual. Um, 
don't don't be afraid don't be afraid to step out and and um uh and try something um if, if you don't if you don't try nobody will do it for you one thing we've noticed is we've had all kinds of innovators come to us and and um come up with some with an idea saying this could work and, and we're sort of looking at that solution said you know what it could uh, and if it does it could be a game changer so if you have an idea um just jump on it and, and push uh you might you might be surprised what you're going to get and at the same time though you need to be flexible so uh, uh be proactive and, and flexibility to me are, are two things that uh, that i would say um can keep you going for a while those are some great wisdom points because often we hear of people who are perhaps shy or introverted think, ah, oh, this is never going to work. They, they already closed the door before they even start to look at the possibilities. Yep. Uh, yeah, so Eric, if you were a small innovator. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say just uh, don't, close your, don't close the door yourself. Um, there might be something uh, very valuable to what you're thinking, to your to your to your thought, to your to your idea, to, to just just bring it up and, and we'll see. So as an entrepreneur or an innovator, what is the best sort of path to success with connecting with your organization and trying to find a sort of match between skill set and need uh, on the sort of uh, government side? Well, I can only talk about my program. I mean, there, there are many, 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 many programs in Canada to, to, uh, to work with innovators. In my case, uh, what we tell people is uh, we're, we're an opportunity. We were provided with funding. Uh, we have many challenges uh, um, related to defense. So um, as I said earlier, ideas work with challenges. So we launch challenges to people to solve. So before the crisis started, we had launched 50, 53 challenges already in two and a half years. Now we launched four for COVID-19, and, and so we're launching others uh, in, the, in the months to come. So for us, uh, it's to make sure that innovators go on our webpage and look at the challenges that are there, that are open, and say, hey, wait a minute, my, my expertise, the, the stuff I know help, might help me solve this challenge or that challenge. So it's to keep, it's to keep people connected to, to us saying, well, this month there are no challenges for me. Well, come back in two or three months because there'll be other challenges. We're pushing out challenges regularly. There's some holes sometimes where there's no challenges. Uh, later on, there, there's a few more. And, and we ask questions in all kinds of domains. Uh, the 58 challenges that we've launched so far covers uh, recruitment, space questions, cyber questions, protection, communications, PTSD, moral trauma, uh, and, and the, the whole thing. So um, we're, we're touching the whole society because when you think about it, national defense is is a, is a large entity. It's it's almost like a, a society on its own. So um, yeah, we have we have uh, there's all kinds of issues that need to be resolved. Now, Eric, wait. Yeah. Sorry, Jared. I was just going to say that's so great. And do you have a mailing list or a newsletter or anything that uh, innovators or entrepreneurs can sign up for to get notified of those exciting challenges as they come through? If you go on our webpage, so it's easy it's easy to find ideas defense. If you go on our webpage. Uh, on the page itself, there's a place that says um, join our mailing list uh, and you can just put your email address. That's all we need. We don't need you. Just put your email address there. Uh, and that way, when we have calls for proposals coming out, um, 
everybody on our way on our mailing list gets an email saying hey by the way here's a six new challenges uh what do you think what you were saying about all the different challenges is it will probably not apply to you most of the time but when that one comes through and you say oh my goodness i have the perfect solution for that i've yeah. been working my whole life towards that solution uh, and it'd be such a good merging of them helping you solve a problem, but also providing uh, funding for a business to grow. Absolutely. And um, when we have golf proposals, uh, they don't stay open very long. So if you learn, so usually between 30 and 40 days. So if you learn about a challenge on day 37 uh, and it's closing and that's it, it's not reopening, it's closing because then the, the story starts and we'll get proposals in and we'll start funding people and work towards the solution. So. Uh, you want to be on that mailing list to know early and saying, oh, no, in those six, oh, there's nothing for me this time. Well, three months from now, there's going to be another three or four. Oh, wait a minute. No, as you mentioned, Sean, think, yeah, that one, what I do now can help me fix that. And, and absolutely. Eric, when somebody's in the initiative, uh, initial stages of applying, or let's say they already have applied and they've been accepted, does your department offer support, like helping them connect with NRC or other governments bodies to help them uh, work out a successful solution? Okay. Ideas has been set up, has been built to um, end up with the generation of an end product. Uh, ideas has been uh, developed to generate the solution in the end that Cavdi and Nick can purchase. So if you look at the five tools that we have built, we go from the, the, the big, the, the, the early tools are the, the ones, oh, you have an idea. Okay, you have some funding to, to develop that. But then we keep going until there's a solution on the table. And we've started this year um, acquiring solution from some of the innovators that have been working with us. Just uh, before Christmas in November, uh, we had a challenge when we launched a program called Cyber Attribution uh, for the Defense of Canada. So it's to identify who's who's attacking you, uh, who's, who's uh, attacking you on the, on the cyber world trying to figure out who's who's there and who's the bad guy attacking you. So it's a hard process to do. Well, we had a small company from Canada providing a great solution. They worked through ideas, the various phases. And in November, we bought their solution and transferred it to uh, to uh, um, uh, the intelligence uh, in, in, in national defense. You got a contract of seven and a half million dollars. Um, so it's not, uh, it's not a small amount. Uh, and so we're ready to do that already, but we are connecting with uh, BDC, the Bank of Development of Canada. We are connecting with, uh, um, uh, I said, uh, Accelerated Growth Services. So yes, the people working with us will get connections with others if we don't decide to uh, keep working with them. It's what great to see all these different organizations starting to integrate and work together to try and support the sort of small business ecosystem. And for something that's sort of more traditionally considered a bit separate, it's nice to see the government programs really starting to connect and sort of fuel this uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, and, and the fact that in Ideas, we have um, a pipeline that, that we filled at the beginning of the program. It took us a while to fill it. But now we have a pipeline of innovators that develop from the concept to a product closer to the end uh, or a prototype or closer to an end product. And we try to, in some cases, we're supporting those until the end, until the, the, the end uh, um, uh, that they have a final product, almost ready for commercialization. 
In some other cases, uh, we are working to transfer them to other partners in government to see if they can get supported that way. Eric, what can the community do to help? Like when we start promoting uh, the segment of the podcast today, what would be your ask from the listeners? Um, for them to tell a friend. As I, so um, why, why am I here today? I'm here to promote the existence of the program. What we want is to have more and more Canadian innovators, that Canadian innovation ecosystem know that we exist. The program is there. It's an opportunity. We have challenges. We do have questions that we push out on our webpage. You go there once in a while and you'll see questions. And we have funding to be able to work with people to solve those questions. So really, if the people today, one, go register on our, on our distribution list, and at the same time, tell some of their colleagues, let's say they work in a small medium enterprise that does some, uh, some exciting work in cyber. Tell some of their colleagues, hey, keep that in mind. Uh, register for that, for that uh, email list. So just that, to me, would go a long way uh, to, um, to ensure that we're connecting with more and more people. And in a way, it, it helps me. It will allow me to get the best solutions. The more innovators that know about us is a success story for better solutions to come to us. Well, it sounds right up my alley, networking, or en français, bouche à oreille. You know, word Absolutely. of mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> is there anything else you would like to add Sean, uh, I'm sorry, Eric, we're coming to the end of our segment soon. Um, any, any last minute uh, closing thoughts? Um, the thing I'd like to do is thank you. Um, thank you to organize this. Uh, to me, it's a great opportunity to connect with people um, because as part of ideas, I mean, this is something I do every week. We try to, to share that knowledge about the program. I think it's a great program and it's a great opportunity. Um, because of the of the crisis today, uh, a lot of Canadian entrepreneurs um, with great ideas uh, could find a good source of funding with us if they have solutions that, that are in line with some of our, our challenges. So uh, well, that's, a, that's a, it's a great opportunity for me today. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, and how can somebody get in touch with you, Eric? You mentioned that people could sign up for their on your website to receive notifications of upcoming opportunities. Can you please share the website with us again? It's, um, so if you go on, yeah, if you just type ideas, however, there's there's many ideas website, uh, just like the CBC one, for example. So just put ideas defense or ideas Canada and you'll see it. Um, and in there, there's the link for uh, our, our mailing list. There's also a link that we have a positional email address. So it's, a, it's an email for the program so if they have questions about the program, just flip a, a question to that. Some of the staff are always looking at that mailbox, so we'll provide a, a reply fairly quickly. Thank you so much, Eric. So uh, on behalf of uh, Sean Cochran from TCC Canada, myself, Jared Goldsmith from ESAC's Virtual Events, I want to thank uh, Eric Fournier from the Innovation for Defense Excellence and Security, the IDEAS program from the Department of National Defense. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Au revoir.